Hello and welcome to the Delco Skate Park Coalition podcast. The Delco Skate Park Coalition is a nonprofit organization of skate enthusiasts, parents, and disability rights advocates looking to build adaptive and inclusive skate parks in Delaware County, Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Aaron Lopez, and we are the podcast that covers all things about skateboarding, skate parks, and not just skate parks, but ADA, accessible, adaptive all wheels, and inclusive skate parks in Delco and beyond. I'm excited to be speaking with Jeff Ament. Jeff is a lifelong skateboarder, originally from Montana. Jeff is also a musician who played bass in many bands, including Mother Love Bone and Pearl Jam. In 1992, Jeff founded the Montana Pool Service, a nonprofit organization that works with local communities on Montana to construct world-class skate parks and connects youth communities through skateboarding and the arts. Jeff, welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Aaron, glad to be here. So like, you know, if you could tell me a little bit about what it's like where you're from in Montana and when did you get your first skateboard? I grew up in uh, a little town called Big Sandy, which is, uh, I guess, north central Montana. Um, It's uh, from west to east. It's kind of right in the center, but uh, we're about, I don't know, 40 miles from the Canadian border. So it's cold, windy, seasonal, very isolated uh, the town was about 800 people when I was growing up. It's probably about 550 right now. Yeah, it's just super isolated. I, I was, I was uh, lucky enough. My my parents uh, were uh, uh, big travelers. We camped a lot. We My dad converted an old school bus into a camper. So every summer we took big trips to visit relatives uh, in Minnesota, Oregon, and California. And uh, uh, 1975, uh, on a trip to California, hanging out with my cousin Gary Keppers, uh, he had a skateboard. He had Road Rider 4s and California slaloms on a homemade skateboard, which he gifted to me for my 50th birthday, which is like one of the, it's just one of the greatest things that I own. That week with him in 1975 uh, changed my life. Um, It was through him that I got a copy of Skateboarder Magazine. Um, which um, growing up in an isolated community was uh, it just connected me to skateboarding and uh, it, it seemed mythical. And um, consequently a trip in 1977, 1979, I got to skate Winchester and Campbell skate parks in that area. Um, that made it a little bit more real because I saw cab skate and I saw Scott Foss skate and um, yeah, it's just a, uh, you know, it's a small town kid uh, sort of uh, just dreaming about the outside world. Skateboarding was, you know, skateboarding and music both were uh, sort of these um, doorways to these mythical places. And um, and it's amazing. I mean, I, I, I know a lot of those guys that were my heroes, both in skateboarding and music. And so that's like. So, you know, them now you, 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 you know, you saw them growing up, but now, you know, them yeah. on a personal level. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I probably once or once a year, once every two years, I skate with Scott Foss. I see, I see cab all over San Diego when we go down there in the winter. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Really good friends with Chris Stropel and Wally Inouye and Brad Bowman and pineapple. And I mean, it just turns out that they're really good human beings. So that makes it easy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, those, those were the guys that were on my, you know, my locker door, you know, at school and on my walls and, 
so growing up and, and, you know, you got out of Montana a little bit to be able to skateboard, but when you were growing up in Montana and, and, you know, you're a young kid out with your skateboard, what were like some of the challenges of growing up in that community and, you know, sort of being out there with your skateboard, was there any kind of, you know, negative attitude that you confronted? My, my brother and I talk about this a lot that I think growing up in a small town where, um, Skate, skateboarding was at that time was wasn't a part, you know, the, the local town folk didn't know what the hell we were doing. It was like this foreign. They were they might have had a little memory of the 60s when people bought, you know, metal and clay wheeled things. And it lasted, you know, for a year or two, like the hula hoop and um, yo, yo. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess <laughs> Joe Jackson might have quoted that in a, in a song that he wrote. But um, um so a, a lot of the weird stuff that we got got into, like skateboarding and punk rock, they just thought we were just like crazy kids. And um, we it sort of allowed us to do whatever we wanted. And so I, I feel fortunate in that I, you know, like my years of high school were uh, waking up and going to school, going to basketball practice, football practice, track practice. And then after that, coming home, doing some chores and then going and skating the ramp. And I don't know very many people that I've met who went through skateboarding that time that did that. Yeah. That were playing on the football team and then also skateboarding. So did you have and a so backyard skateboarding ramp? was kind of my. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My um, we had a big lot right next to us that my dad had a giant garden in and um my dad wasn't, he didn't really understand uh, any of the team sports, like football and basketball. Like he, I, I don't even know if he came and saw me play much until I was, I was too good to, you know, I was like all state and in, in football and I was an all conference basketball player. And I got to be so good that there was pressure on him to come see what, what, you know, what, what I was wasting all my time doing. Yeah. Uh, but skateboarding, I think the fact that there was this element that you were building something, he loved that. And so uh, when I first told him I, I wanted to build a ramp, um, I built, it was, it was before like half pipes. And so we built this little lean kind of this, just this wedge ramp off the driveway and he helped me build it. Um, and he, you know, he said, oh, you got to put a little something here at the bottom. So, you know, you're not catching your wheels. And, and he was a, he still is a, I just spent time working on the cabin, um, back in our hometown, um, with him and he's a very logical, practical builder guy and loves it. And so that whole process for four years of high school, um, he was helping me build the ramps, like as the ramps evolved, uh, you know, the, the, the giant U pipes that were like big 10 foot radiuses, no flat bottom. And then when the flat bottom came in, I would just show him a picture and, he would help me get started on it and tell me how to cut the radiuses out. And, um, uh, that's awesome. so he was very, very supportive. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like it was yeah. kind of, you know, building these ramps and sort of, you know, making those plans and, you know, how you're going to skate. It. it sounds like it was something you and your dad could connect on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, through high school, you're, you're skateboarding and you're building these backyard ramps. Skateboarding becomes sort of a part of who you are at that point. Totally. Yeah, hundred percent. When you go off to college, um, do you take your skateboarding with you at that point? Do you, you know, is that you? Is it still pretty active in your life when you go off to college? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, the for my first year of college, I didn't take. I only went to college for two years, but um, my first year of college, I didn't take my car, and so, um, and I didn't take a bicycle. So skateboard was sort of the transportation, and it just so happened that at University of Montana, there between the library and the student center, there were these amazing brick banks that were like these big sculptural banks that were kind of between the sidewalks. And there was there was like five or six of them. So you could sort of almost ride these banks, almost like a slalom run or like a like a big uh, snake run. Um, and it got to the point to where there was four or five of us there every nice day. And it it became a, a, a thing where the local security campus security guy would chase us off. And there was a whole ask, game they kick of out. Cat and mouse, yeah, cat and mouse, and he would end up on the other side of the building, and we'd go skate for a while. And and uh, at what point the dean uh, called a couple of us into his office and said, "Hey, I know it's you guys doing this," and we're like, "How do you know?" And he pointed to me and he said, "Because your picture was in the front page of the newspaper, skating <laughs> our banks." Um, so, so um, you got busted um, because you're in the newspaper. Got, yeah, I mean, it was like a unseasonably warm day and whatever january i was like 50 degrees or something and so um you know somebody walked by and saw it but um so yeah so i, I was an art student in college uh there was a guy on my floor who had been in punk rock bands in california i started playing music with him skateboarding was the through line to all of it to, yeah tell me a little bit about that like in terms of were, were these other folks that you kind of you would skate with i met i met my friend john um I was playing some music in my room and he said, Hey, I, I, I saw that band. I can't remember. I was playing black flag or something. And he said, I saw that band in the spring and I was like, and then he just left. And I was like, what? Like there's a kid, <laughs> at, there's a kid here at college that has somebody else black knows flag. about black flag. Yeah. 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 And so within a few days we became very good friends. Uh, he had a skateboard. I had a skateboard. I said, Hey, I saw these banks. We went over, skated, ended up meeting two or three other people. One of the guys ended up being Bruce Fairweather, who I was in a bunch of bands with after that green river and mother love bone. Um, and it's, you start to form your, you know, the, my tribe was like, you know, largely made up of people who skateboarded. Like I, I went to college. I only knew maybe two or three kids at this, you know, it was probably 8,000 people at this college and I I knew like four people or five people and within a couple of weeks I had three or four friends uh because they were skateboarding boarders and they were wearing vans which nobody wore vans then except for skateboarders I was kind of my way I kind of had my I kind of had the beginnings of my crew and that it turned out that there was another 20 kids around town that were sort of excited about the same stuff and that had everything to do with me forming a band and writing songs and sort of approaching art from a totally different way. And um, it just, it, it sort of kickstarted. Um, I mean, growing up in a small town, culturally, you're sort of behind a little bit. So it just sort of kickstarted that whole thing. And it sort of uh, pushed me into adulthood, uh, sort of from my standpoint on the right side of it, you know, like I, I wasn't going to be uh, a suit or a tool for a corporation. Like I was coming at it from this other 
place and it was a creative place and yeah it sounds like skateboarding connected you to other people who were also um you know doing creative expression and that there was like a real crossroads for you between your skateboarding your music creativity and art yeah that and that was that was the great thing about all of it was that you know skateboarding and punk rock both there were sort of no rules and there wasn't uh everybody it was it was that full diy uh angle on everything um if you didn't know how to do it, pretend and just do it anyway. <laughs> and it might be bad for a while, but then you'll come up with your own thing. And um, that's sort of the, uh, I still feel like I'm, you know, I'm almost 60 years old and I still feel like I have these days where I, I have a, like a, a feeling of wonder, a feeling of wonderment about just creating things and, how I listen to things and how I see things. And, and um, that's the greatest thing in my life is, is that is like, it's, you know, that and your friendships, um, you know, that, that, that just having that little bit of joy every day when you create something out of nothing. Um, and it's mostly because I can shut off being self-aware or, uh, I can shut off the being a part of the system or social media or all the things that sort of get in the way of, of that. And, um, you know, sk skateboarding was such a huge, huge part of that um, because all the, you know, all the guys that I looked up to growing up were um, creative guys. Yeah. You know, whether it was making up tricks or how they looked or how they dressed or music they played or listened to. Um, so, you know, that, it kind of brings me to a question I, I think is, is really relevant because you, you know, from the point where you leave college and then you go to Seattle, a lot changes for you and, and pretty, pretty abruptly, like you go from, you know, being a person who's a skateboarder and doing music to them being in a band that has a lot of success um, and probably um, created a lot of change for you was skateboarding something that kind of kept you grounded um, you know, shut out a lot of distraction, um, as you were going through that change, I'm guessing you were in your twenties when a lot of that happened. Yeah, I was, I was, I had just turned 20 when I moved to Seattle. Um, but again, like I, I had one friend in Seattle when I moved to Seattle and I had like 50 bucks in my pocket by the time that the, we got the car and the, and our stuff out there. And, um, um, immediately i went to some show there was a punk rock club that had just opened up called the metropolis and there's like 50 people in the crowd wearing vans and there's guys carrying their skateboards around and it's it was like heaven for me you know <laughs> yeah. I, th I think the first show i saw was this band channel three from uh southern california made a great record called fear of life um but i was like wow i'm here i'm like you know like and, you know, within a few months, I got to be friends with a lot of these guys. And um, when JFA came through town, I remember riding a parking garage with those guys. I remember uh, skating with the Agent Orange guys when they came through town. Uh, we got to be friends with the Tales of Terrors guy. We played a place called The Gray Door that had a little quarter pipe. I remember ripping around the basement with those guys. Um, and so it was just all connected. And, and, and my skateboard and my bus pass were my transit so um uh you know it was it was ever important and it wasn't until i met a couple people who knew where ramps were that had cars that i could get out to i mean it was rare it was like once a month or something you'd, you'd 
get a ride 20 miles out of town to this guy, Mark Lyons ramp or the Bainbridge Island ramp. Um, but, um, were you skating some backyard ramps at that time too? You know, people you knew who had like maybe a really cool backyard ramp and you'd get out there and, and try it out. Yeah, there, yeah, there was, there was three when I, that first couple of years, but they were really far apart. There was one, uh, in Issaquah, which was probably 15 miles to the East. There was one in Ballard, which was the closest, which my friend, Randy Brown, who ended up, uh, working with me for a while. Um, and he, and he was gung ho. Like he, he took me up to Vancouver a couple of times and skated the North Vancouver skate park. Um, <clears throat> he would go out to Issaquah to Mark Lyons ramp. Uh, occasionally he could get on a ferry and go to, um, uh, there's this guy, Andy, who was a bass player in March of Crimes. He had a ramp and he was a construction guy. So the ramp was fantastic. Um, <laughs> but, but again, it was like a lot of these, a lot of these guys were the, you know, it's just because they were skateboarders they ended up being my friends and ended up, uh, you know, I ended up going to shows and ended up, you know, it was a really big part of my social life was hanging out with these guys because they wore vans. <laughs> that was sort of the the clue yeah. like you see someone in yeah. bands you know yeah, yeah you're you're probably one of one one of the people in our community that's cool yeah, yeah. um you know at a, at a point too where you know you 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 are doing more touring with your band and you're going kind of to international places i mean one of the things that you've talked about is wanting to bring these world class skate parks to montana when you did tour were you traveling to different skate parks internationally you know in different places were there any that you saw that you were like wow this is this is really great you know maybe in the 90s when there weren't as many skate parks in the us yeah uh well, that, that was the thing that got me back into skateboarding. We, the first time we went to Australia, when we played Sydney, we, we, we stayed on Bondi beach and there was a, there was a vert ramp across the street. And I remember looking across the street going like, wow, there's a beach, there's people surfing and there's a ramp and there's like pretty girls. And like, it was just like, you know, kind of, you know, one of the craziest scenes I had ever seen in my life at that point. And we were there for three days. So I remember Eric Johnson, our tour manager, and I, I was like, we have to go get skateboards. So I remember we like spent all of our PDs driving all over town, you know, trying to find a skateboard that seemed like, because I hadn't really skateboarded much from about 88, 89 to 92, 93. Okay. Um, and, and I'd fallen out of touch with, I wasn't reading the magazines because of, in the late 80s, I kind of wasn't relating to it when it was kind of becoming more of a street thing. And then when we went to these skate shops, I remember it was like these little teeny wheels, these little teeny boards and they all the boards were the same shape. And I was kind of confused. And, um, <laughs> and then one of the guys at the skate shop, this one skate shop said, Oh, you need to go to this other skate shop. They have vert boards. And so we went there and I remember I got a think longboard and Indies and these Powell bombers but we spent the next three days riding that ramp on the beach and we get hot and we jump in the water and swim. And like, it was like, and then we go get a smoothie and it was like, and then I was back in and I was like, I can't believe I quit doing that. Like, that's the yeah. funnest thing. You know, that's the funnest thing ever. And, uh, and then I got to be friends with this guy, Joe Gomez. So every time I was in the Bay area, he would take me to, to ramps. There was an indoor bowl and in like Sacramento that I think I skated. And that was the minute that I said, I'm going to build something like this at some point. Like, and that was around 94, I think. Um, and uh, then probably around 98 or 99, I met some of the guys in the West Seattle Bowl and 
which uh, in turn became Grind Line Skate Parks. And, um, uh, you know, those were, the, those were the first guys. They came out and built a, a bowl for me 20 years ago. Uh, and they built the skate park in Missoula and a bunch of other parks. Uh, they built the first bowl in uh, my hometown of Big Sandy. Um, I got, to, I'm still good friends with a bunch of those guys. Shaggy just, uh, we just sent Shaggy out to Pine Ridge because they're having drainage problems. And he like heroically, like cut a big square out of the center of the bowl and dug out eight feet of dirt and made a big giant French drain out of it. So that, so that bowl will drain now. Um, I definitely want to talk about some of your work at Pine Ridge, but I, I kind of want to also get to like that that mission that you had. So you, you, you go out to this bowl in the Bay area, it's in 94. You start to think about like, yeah, this is, did I get that right too? Tell me if I didn't yeah. get that history right. But yeah, where you start to think about, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm going to take this back to Montana. I'm going to take this back to where I grew up. Um, you know, how, how did you start to really get the motivation? Like, okay, I, I, I want to put these skate parks in Montana. I've been around, I've seen some really good parks. I've skated some really great places and I want to take this back to where I came from. Well, I, you know, initially I did, I didn't do a very good job. Um, I, uh, there were liability laws in our state at the time that, um, didn't allow, uh, any, uh, city parks to have anything deeper than five feet. Um, so the only place to really skateboard in Missoula at that time was, um, there was a YMCA, but then the ramp started to get beat up. So I, I made a deal with them to give them a pretty good chunk of money to fix the ramps. And then somewhere in there, we're off touring, they're running their nonprofit and they need money somewhere else. And so they took my money and put it towards something else and the ramps were still beat up. And we had a big falling out over that. And so that was the minute that I, I was like, okay, if I do this again, like I'm going to have a whole series of uh, guidelines that, you know, contingencies that if I'm going to give money to anybody, I have to sign off on the design. I have to sign off on the builders, all that stuff. And that, that sort of rolled over into, um, building a skate park in Missoula, um, which was a cra crazy long process working with, with Kim Peterson and Ross, Ross Peterson, not related, Chris Bacon, um, who had, an organization called the Missoula Skate Park Association, which is now the Montana Skate Park Association. Um, and it was just going to city meetings for probably five years and fundraising. We, we fundraised, I think we raised over $900,000. Um, a lot of it, a dollar at a time, uh, 50 cents tacked onto a burrito, you know, at, uh, uh, a taco shop. Um, I think you bring up a really good point there, you know, cause that's something with the Delco skate park coalition that we, that we see like this, when, when a community starts to think about, Hey, we want to put a skate park here. There are so many things that you're going to encounter along the way. And you really need that perseverance and that grassroots fundraising. Like you might be making a dollar off a burrito and it, it, you have to invest that time and energy. And it sounds like it took you guys like five years of really a, a lot of just in the thick of it kind of work, like going to these meetings, doing your fundraisers. Was there, and and then learning from that first experience, right? Where it didn't work out, but then you're kind of like, okay, here's what I know I need to do um, and how we need to be involved. 
and, and also seeing meeting the Grindline guys and the Dreamland guys in Oregon and seeing the parks that they're building in Oregon and Washington. And um, and then a lot of it was, you know, probably what you're dealing with. Uh, you know, it's like, you know, going to all the different facets of the city governments and sort of pitching skateboarding and pitching why it's a it's an it would be an important addition to the community. And, uh, you know, I, there were a lot of people that uh, thought I was just going to bring drugs and alcohol and troublemakers um, to their park system. Um, and so, and, uh, you know, now that we're like 27 skate parks in right for Montana pool service. Um, yeah. Has that, has that borne out, you know, because I think for people that are maybe listening to this who never have any experience with that, you know, and certainly with our experience, when you go to a skate park, you see a lot of use, you see people there. And by use, I mean, it's always packed. Like the basketball yeah. court might be empty, but the skate park is full. Yeah. What do you yeah. see? And when you go to the parks that you've built now, what are, what are they doing there? <laughs> well, you know, you know, it's funny is every once in a while, somebody will, um, somebody who's not a skateboarder will say like, Hey, I drove through Lincoln the other day. There was nobody at the park, you know, just to sort of get in my face about it or whatever. And I'll be like, there's 500 people there. And like, what time did you <laughs> right. drive through? Oh, you drove through at one? Yes. They're going, kids are going to school. Yeah. Like, come on, you know, like, come on, you know? And uh, I said, if you drive through on a nice weekend, I guarantee you that there's going to be kids at that park. And, um, and in some instances, in some of these small towns, we might be a little bit ahead of the curve, but skateboarding is here to stay. Just like for the, for the doubters out there, like it was in the Olympics, <laughs> uh, I think we knew, you know, 15, 20 years ago when snowboarding was blowing up, all the guys that were good snowboarders were skateboarders. And so we were like, if snowboarding's here to stay, the skateboarding is kind of right behind it. Um, because snowboarding is a complete ripoff of skateboarding. Like, you know, they're they're using this other medium, but everything that they're doing, all the grabs, all the moves, the spins, it's all skateboarding, 100%. Um, so in our minds 20 years ago you know like when or however long 16 years ago when it was in the, in the olympics the first time we were like oh this is a good sign for skateboarding um in terms of having discussions with people who don't know anything about it other than they think it's like a bunch of criminals and a bunch of hoodlums um to counter so, that narrative too one of the things that um, has come up. Uh, and I think, you know, you've spoken to it in other interviews that you've done with people is just the mental health benefits of skateboarding for kids, having a place to skate, having community skateboarding offers community in a way that, that you just described for your own background, you know, that few yeah. other things do offer. And, um, you know, I'm wondering, like, maybe if you can speak to how does a skate park in a place like, you know, the, the places where you've had them built, how does that change a kid's life? Well, I mean, that you know, that when we meet the first kids in these towns, we try to like, we try to um, let them know that it's their park, that we, we try to get them to have some sort of ownership. They're like, yeah, you know how all the other people, all the other people own businesses and the, you know, the jocks own the softball field and the basketball courts and whatever, like, this is your, this is your place. Like 
if you take care of it and then you teach the younger kids, like, you know, you're, you know, this is your home. This is your, you know, take, you know, you know, take care of it and, and use it to reach out to other kids who think the way that you think and, and teach them tricks and teach them how to, you know, take different lines and, and teach them how to get up when they fall down and hurt themselves. Um, I, I think, you know, I think it's, it was hard in, in a small town because there's, I think there's a little bit more separation in a small town because we have so much space. So I think it's easy for there to be separation um, unless you're playing a team sport. Um, I think in the, in the big cities, at least 20, 30 years ago, that was probably impossible because people are kind of stacking each other and you're just constantly having to deal with each other. But I think now with social media um, or with our phones, I think they're there. And then you have COVID happen in the last couple of years. Everybody just got separated out. Everybody got sort of pushed back into the corners. So, and the good thing about during COVID is that, you know, within a couple of months into it, they're saying like, oh, you can be outside as long as you're not coughing directly in each other's face. And skateboarding blew up at that point. That first, that first summer that after COVID hit, like all, all my friends that own skate shops were calling, asking if I had boards in the garage that they could sell because they couldn't get skateboards. Um, and that was another great sign where it was like, oh, like there's a whole another group of of young people that are um are sort of this is the only thing they can do they can ride yeah. their bike around town and they can ride a skateboard and so we saw a huge explosion in montana of like kids who were football players and wrestlers and kind of all that stuff who were like skateboarding like i remember being down to hamilton and i'm talking to these kids and i'm like wow when did you start skateboarding and like this year and <laughs> one kid was like was like ripping and i go I started asking him questions. He's like, yeah, I'm a senior. Like um, I was all state quarterback last year for Hamilton. We got second in state. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. Cause I, that was me. A and B like, I hadn't seen another example of that since. And so here was this kid who was getting, you know, so much joy out of skateboarding. And then he was also like a, a team sport guy and, and I thought, wow, that that's proof right there that this is um, this can be for everybody. And mm -hmm. that's that's the thing that's been changing with skateboarding, I think, in the last five to 10 years, the inclusivity and, you know, not having it be you got to dress a certain way and you got to be punk rock and you got to be anti jock and you got to be you know, straight, you got to be a man, you got to be white, you got to be all, you know, all the things that skateboarding kind of really was until 10 or 15 years ago, um, except for a handful of, uh, you know, outsiders. Yeah, there were a few places, a few pockets, you know, in the 70s, um, like California was a place, I grew up in California, that was a place where you saw a lot of just, you know, skateboarders that did not fit that mold that you just described. Yeah. And then outside of that, yeah, it was, it, it, it was a community, but it wasn't as inclusive. It seems like things have really started to change and in a really positive way. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that's something I think you've worked on with um, Kim Peterson a little bit and improving inclusivity in some of the parks that you, you got, you guys have worked on building in Montana. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, you know, Kim's, uh, 
Kim has been a big part of Girls on Shred and with Samantha and that crew. And um, uh, I, I like maybe five years ago, I went to a, a, a women's contest in Encinitas called Exposure. And yeah, uh, there's probably there, there was probably like 150 uh, women skateboarders from all over the world. Um, and the thing that was amazing about it was how much support every single women and girl uh were giving to each other like all the top girls were there in the the third class the lowest class of skill um riding the vert ramp they're not even getting grinds but they're doing tricks and they're doing ollies and they're you know maybe getting a grind or trying to rock and roll or something you know for the first time on this giant ramp and when when those girls would make a trick like literally the place would explode and to me that was like that's how i think of skateboarding because that's that's the way that it was when i started in the 70s like the first contest that we had in montana the the older kids would you know go crazy if you did anything and and that was a big that was a that was a really big deal and i think there was a period of time where that that went away like i went to a lot of contests in the last 20 years though the, all the protect pool parties and whatever and sometimes there was like these little clicks the guys and the guys not you know guys not wearing pads and the guys wearing pads and the guys that are sort of the technical trick guys not as cool as the stylish guys that are barely hanging on um and that in that exposure contest, it just brought back what I thought skateboarding should be. And that really was the inclusivity and support of each other. And there are lots of freaky looking girls. And I just thought this is great, like colored hair and like people dressed in the, kind of their own. Yeah, their own kind self of garb. expression. Yeah, very, very much individualistic, like which is what skateboarding was at the beginning. All the boards were different shapes, different colors, guys looked different, different haircuts. Um, and so Girls on Shred and Kim, like they've just really been, uh, they've, they've done such great work in the state the last few years, just going around the state and having these little workshops in these little towns and 10, 20, every year it's gotten to be more and more like some of these towns, the first time it's five girls. The second time it's seven girls. The next time it's like 15 girls and six boys because they don't have that program for boys. They don't, there's no, so it's just, it's just all, you know, all for one. And, um, and this year, Kim actually is going tomorrow with, uh, this, this, uh, girl, Laura Carroll from Lewistown. Um, they're going to exposure this weekend. And so it's sort of the beginning of this, um, program that Kim and I have been talking about forever where it's like, man, if we could just get Montana kids, just, just a taste of it. Sort of the way I always feel like sort of like the, the taste that I think Kim and I had early on where you, that first time that you're, that I'm in California or that Kim goes to the skate park in Pennsylvania um, and you're around that energy and how, just how amazing it is. Um, uh, it's, I, I, you know, I, I also I'll support them as long as they're, you know, putting the energy into what they're doing because it's it's like the best thing going, I think, in the state. Definitely. And you know, when you think about the kids that are growing up in Montana now, the programming that you and Kim are kind of working on um in the parks that are built there, 
Do you think having access to that kind of skate terrain, because we know what it was like to grow up without it, right? And do you think having access to that skate terrain now in Montana is going to create opportunities for these kids so that when they do go someplace like Exposure Skate, they can ride a different type of park? Yeah, and I think even on a bigger picture, like I think um, there's a little bit of travel, like there's, there's a handful of places in the state where there's parks that are 20, 30 miles apart. So kids are sort of, getting rides or getting their parents to take a group of kids to these other parks. And so they meet other kids. Um, and I just love that part of it because in a lot of cases, it's uh, kids from a re- reservation going to a white town. Um, and maybe there, maybe there was very little interaction until these parks got built. And, you know, the last few years, I one of my favorite things was if we could get the kids uh, from the Blackfeet Reservation, if we could get them to, to any of these other new parks, and those kids would just show up and start ripping. And it was, uh, I, I was just, so, I was just so proud to like, you know, these kids were sort of representing the best in the state. And they're like native kids from Browning, which is like one of the most isolated places in the state. And, um, and they have such a unique style and such a unique camaraderie and they're such good friends. And, uh, um, it's just, it's just flipping things around, flipping things on its head a little bit. And, and those kids are the ones teaching the other kids and, and then they get to be friends, you know, and that's, um, that's not easy in this, in the climate that we have right now. There's a lot of, there's just a lot of hate out there for, any any reason that anybody can have to hate on the other person because they you know don't agree with some little aspect of of who they are um and i think you know there's certainly a lot of other things that can do this the the work that we're talking about with skateboarding but um it's cool that um skateboarding can sort of like um it can sort of push away the surface uh, part of everything, whether it's your politics or the color of your skin, or if you're a man or a woman or whatever. It's like it creates this common ground um, that people can connect through, you know, I mean, how many different times have we gone to skate parks? Right. So we skate, we can get to different parks um, and you just meet somebody at a park and you start talking to them. Like you don't know anything about their politics, but you know, the cool thing about it is you're in the moment and you find some way to connect. And so having, having those parks in Montana seems to have created that opportunity for the, the kids that are there and giving them a chance to launch off of that to something else, go to a different park, skate in a different place, meet new people. Yeah. Was that when you started Montana pool service, was that sort of part of the vision or did that sort of happen organically and you're seeing it kind of take shape now? Yeah, it happened totally organically. Like initially it was, it was just, um, I, you know, a lot of it for me, at least from a financial standpoint was, I, you know, I can't believe I'm still like that Pearl Jam still a band and that people still come to the shows. And in some ways, like touring wise, we're sort of more people are showing up to the shows than ever. And so it's sort of this miraculous life that has sort of, I mean, we worked for it, but it's still miraculous in so many levels. And so 
you know, I think 10 or 15 years ago, I was like, well, as, as long as we're still doing this, I'm going to put a big chunk of the money that I make from touring into the foundation. And so it's just, it's just turned into this, it's just turned into this thing naturally. And there's been all these fringe benefits along the way with like, you know, Oh, we get to build three parks in this little teeny area in the middle of nowhere, like around the town that I grew up in, which isn't, you know, it's like, so there's now there's a park in big Sandy. There's a park in box Elder in the Rocky boy reservation. There's a park in Haver. There's a park in Malta, which is just 50 miles that way. There's a park in Hayes on the Fort Belknap reservation, which is just 30 miles from there. There's a park an hour South in Lewistown that, you know, all of a sudden there's this, in one day you could hit six really good skate parks and see like incredible terrain. Like you could basically drive around the Bear Paw Mountains and see like the Missouri River where Lewis and Clark, you know, there's like a whole historical aspect of it too. So um, it's, so great you know, parks it, and beautiful, beautiful area. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, it's almost a little bit like, Hey, let's see what we can get away with you know, and just keep pushing and pushing. And now it's like, we have, you know, 10 towns penciled in for the next two or three years. Um, and, and it's, and some of the stuff's pushing out. We've, we're trying to build a third skate park in Wounded Knee um, that might happen next year. For sure. We're building a skate park in Standing Rock in North Dakota, uh, which we've been working on for a while with uh, the, the help of Nike, who we've been sort of talking with for five years, but doing good in, places where there's so much power coming from our first peoples um that that makes me so excited you know and and i i feel great about giving back and getting somebody like nike on board with it and and just shining a light on these places and these people who are so amazing and um and these in these areas that are so amazing um and so, and they're, and they're in the middle of nowhere. It's like, I, you know, my friends come out every year and they're like, Hey, are you driving us out to kill us out in the middle of nowhere? Like, <laughs> I, where are we going? We're, we've been on a dirt road for the last, you know, 25 <laughs> minutes. Like what, you know, what's going on here. And then it pops out the other side and there's a big square butte and a Creek running through it. And it's, you know, it's like, so you get to show them these secret spots and, um, and meet people that you never would meet. And, it's bringing the city folks to the country and, and people from all over the world. We've got people from Italy, Alex from Costa Rica comes every year. Um, bunch of people, Jim Murphy from the East coast. He's like, he's like, you know, probably the biggest champion of everything that we've been doing. Um, I mean, he's made it this year was the first year that he didn't make it in like probably 10, 12 years. So um, when you think about, um, the work that you've done in building these parks and these places where, um, you know, the, the kids there in the community there doesn't have a whole lot in terms of infrastructure. Are there some experiences with building these parks and these spaces that really stand out for you the most, maybe where you've connected with the community or, or some of the people there? Well, I mean, for sure. Um, the park that we, the Thunder Park that we built in Browning on the Blackfeet Reservation, uh, it, we built that eight years ago. Um, we built that park because um, I met two kids who are Blackfeet at the St. Ignatius Park, um, which is on the Salish Kootenai Reservation, which is just between here and Flathead Lake. Um, 
And they were like, yeah, there's like 10 kids that skate up there. There's a space uh, that's the bingo hall that when they're not doing bingo, we have a couple of ramps and they let us skate. And uh, so, you know, the light bulb goes off. It's like, oh, there's 10 kids that skate there. And um, so we reached out uh, to some folks in the tribal council and had a couple of conversations. And within nine months, it was the first uh, job that I did with Billy from Evergreen. He flew out. Um, and um, we had a big tour year that year. And I said, I'm going to whatever money I make this year from the tour stuff, I'm putting all towards this park. And so we, we, you know, built a $300,000 skate park. Um, first one with Billy, they absolutely killed it. Um, and immediately there was like 40, 50 kids skateboarding and kind of skateboarding really good. That next summer, cool. I just remember showing up and there was like 10 girls who were all kind of skating together. And then nice. there's like 10, 15 real rippers. And then a bunch of young kids who are, you know, there's funny politics with age and, and all that stuff, but they're sort of just paying attention, but staying out of the way. Um, but, it, and, and those, that initial group of kids, uh, there's like seven or eight of them. Uh, who I, you know, I sort of, they're sort of on the MPS team, you know, they get, they get boards and wheels and trucks and shoes when I can get them and uh, whatever, but they, it's such a great group of, I mean, they're not kids anymore. They're like 17, 18, 19, 20 years old now. So they're like, they're young adults and they're like best friends. They're like, <clears throat> it's just, it's just a, awesome thing to witness and they're yeah. best friends because of skateboarding and and partly because we built this park in their town and and so um i don't have kids but those guys are as close as i have to kids like i worry about them and i yeah and i tell them i love them and i tell them that i i'm here to listen to them if they need it and so um that that's i i have i have a special connection with a lot of kids around the state but that that particular group just see them grow up, you know, like I met them when they were 10 years old and now they're 18 and, and it's, and I've, I've watched, I've watched them become young men and they're articulate and they, most of them made it through school and it's going to be probably tough from this point on because now they're adults and they're faced with a whole nother set of problems, but they have each other and that's, um, and they can keep skating. what, yeah, yeah, they had that. They had, they had the outlet, and but I think the main thing is that they have each other, which I think is you know in the mental health uh, part of things. I think that's the most important thing is that you have somebody you can call, yeah, or somebody you can say, "Hey, meet me at the skate park," and and maybe you don't even talk, but you hang out, you know, and that that gets you through, you know, to the next day. And um, but yeah, it's. Um, I, you know, I feel, I feel sometimes when I'm telling these stories, I feel like I'm making more out of it than it really is, but it's, you just want to, you just want to be there for as many, you know, other humans as you can. Yeah. I think it's also a great example too, right. Of what a skate park can do for a community. Like, I think you have that lived experience and you can share that because you've seen it, you've witnessed it. You've been a part of building those parks. Um, you know, I think as, as you start to take this out to other states, um, have, you know, and now you've been involved in 
building a lot of parks where you probably got some pushback in the beginning, but our, our community is now starting to reach out to Montana Pool Service and say like, hey, we see the benefits here. We, we want to get a skate park in our community. Yeah, I mean, uh, we had a couple events this summer. We have the we have a big event, a uh, big Sandy Pig Roast every year in my hometown. And um, there was a group of people that came up from Roundup, which is uh, – 200 miles southeast of Big Sandy and they feel like there's a need for that in their town. They feel like there's a group of young kids who a couple of them that skateboard, a couple of them that ride scooters that maybe are on the, on the fringe of, of sort of what's acceptable. And so therefore they're deemed troublemakers or, or whatever. And um, so that, you know, and I, I met a few other people. I met a, I met a guy who um, was a Fort Belknap, grew up in, in Fort Belknap Reservation, who has been in L.A. for the last 30 or 40 years. <clears throat> he he runs a, a, a big museum with a lot of Native artifacts down there. And I think they've gotten a bunch of grant money. So he wants to turn that into uh, making skateboards that have uh, Native art on them. And he wants to maybe have contests and on the reservations around the state. Awesome. So we're, we're just finishing two parks on a crow here in the next week. So now we have parks on every reservation in the state. And so that's exciting that there's a possible partner or even, or even somebody who could just do it and have contests and all, you know, you could have a, you know, nine native, skate contests over the course of the summer and have this guy run the whole thing and and we can help however we he, he needs us to help but um i mean if that really does turn into something that would be like miraculous and and like you know again just like something way above and beyond what we ever hoped for so as you start to look forward into the future and, you know, you, you look at the potential for these skate parks and what they offer for the community, for the kids you've seen now grow up there. Um, and you think about inclusivity in skate parks. Are you, are you starting to think differently about design going forward? Like, you know, more accessibility, things like maybe ADA features or, programming so that you can bring more people you have that diversity in and who uses the skate park that's funny um you know that occasionally like you know rippers from california will come out and they'll be like these parks are too mellow more vert you know all, you know they <laughs> they have all these and i'm like man you don't live here like you know you you live in orange county and you're you're skating against the best and but i said we're building these parks for kids that have never skateboarded before and and you want to you want to hook a kid that you know maybe it, you know if he grew up next to some gnarly skate park in oregon or california like they wouldn't have they wouldn't have the confidence to jump into something like that so the great thing about Billy and, and what we've talked about in the last eight years doing these parks with Evergreen is making the parks skatable on two different levels. Like there's, if a kid wants to start in this one spot, you can just roll in and roll over this other thing and roll up another wall. And it's like this, the roller coaster feeling, which is, which is really skateboarding. Skateboarding is, 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 is rolling and turning 
and feeling the g-forces and if you have a change in the surface that you're riding it only accentuates that the g-forces and how you ride with it and and you know guys are gnarly and are doing crazy technical lip tricks and all that stuff but the essence of skateboarding is is that roller coaster feeling and so what you want to do is you want to you want the kid the first time he gets on the skateboard and goes down the goes down the wall you want him to make it through a couple of walls so they get that feeling you know that feeling like whoa like i've never felt that in my life and that's we, i've seen i've literally seen it a hundred times like where i'm like oh that kid's hooked and then you see him on the second run or the maybe the first run fall and get back up because he felt it for just a second and he has to feel it again um and eventually they'll maybe they'll learn tricks maybe they won't i mean there's a handful of kids I've seen the last three or three years, and they just go around the park so fast <laughs> and they're, tra and they're doing transfers, but they don't know any tricks. They're riding it their own way. They're not riding it the way that Thrasher's telling everybody to ride a skateboard or, you know, whatever. Um, and that to me is even more exciting because again, skateboarding should be an individual thing and it should be, if it, the more inclusive that it is, the more, uh, the more disparate it's going to be and the more exciting it's going to be because it's not going to be one thing. Everybody's not going to look exactly the same, riding the exact same shape, skateboard, doing the exact same lip tricks. Um, and so. Yeah. You kind of think about a guy like, I, I mean, a lot of people use him as an example, but like Rodney Mullen, who was riding in such a different way when he was younger and how influential that became later, you know? And so who knows how people are going to use the parks and they're doing their own thing, how that's maybe going to develop yeah. into something that's really influential down the road. And, and using that isolation to your benefit. It's like isolation can be a good thing because it's yeah. like, you're not, you're not being reminded every day that, you know, you're not good enough or you're not, you know, you should be skating more the way that they're skating in the Olympics or, whatever it's um you're just out there by yourself or with your two or three friends and you're just like trying to blow each other's minds by doing something <laughs> yeah. and sometimes that ends up creating something brand new and a style that's totally unique and and that's been one of the cool things about just all these little isolated areas as you show up and you go like wow those kids skate way different than these kids over here and and that's awesome that know? is awesome. So like that like celebrate that you know because that's really what skateboarding is about to me. Yeah. You know, I think, um, for, for folks like mm -hmm. us in the Delco skate park coalition, you know, we're, we're out here in the Northeast. And as you said, there's, there's not, um, a lot sometimes in the Northeast in terms of places to skate. What, what advice, you know, might you have for organizations like ours, you know, we're getting started. We're probably gonna, um, be working at this for a long time to get some skate parks built in places that really need them. Is there, you know, something that you experienced that maybe was, was helpful as you're working with towns and, you know, where you might be getting some pushback, but, you know, where you persevered and, and found that you got some acceptance of, of what you're trying to do? I, I would say just keep trying. Like, you never know what the thing is that's going to make it accepted. It's like, it's always, it's always come out of the blue for us like 
I mean, we I mean, here's an example. We were working in Missoula, talking to all the different facets of the city government. And we had two or three of the facets sort of all in, two or three of the facets still on the fringe. And we had this one meeting that everybody was at. And um, uh, uh, they had just built a skate park in Orcas Island a couple of years before. Um, and it was simultaneously the same time that where they were building a bowl at my house and the Grindland guys built it. And it turned out that this, that War, um, Warren Miller, who's a who's the ski, you know, Warren Miller is, he's like, he made all the great ski films of the last, you know, until five years ago, the 30 years before that, every year there was a Warren Miller ski film and it had a, his own style and it was kind of a little bit retro-y. Um, but he had a place in Orcas Island and he saw those guys building the park, thought it was great, ended up giving a bunch of money to finish the park and made a little film, made a little four to five minute film of those guys building the park and skating the park and did it in his style. And it was like Warren Miller, it's like Orcas <laughs> Island. And it has, you know, all this stuff. And we decided like, hey, let's let's play this at the next meeting because it's just Missoula is a ski community. And we thought oh, maybe somebody will. And immediately everybody got it because Warren Miller was telling him that skateboarding was yeah. cool and building a skate park was cool. And it kind of like it kind of blindsided us because we just thought, well, yeah, maybe they'll be maybe it'll help a little bit or whatever. But it was the thing that pushed it through. And it's like, well, if Warren Miller thinks it's cool, then it must be cool. <laughs> We're in. <laughs> it, it, did, it didn't matter that a guy from like a rock band or, you know, like there's zero <laughs> respect from you know all these great community people in our town. People run, you know, you know, some of the coolest businesses in town. It took Warren Miller to push it across the finish line. So I, I just keep. Just keep pushing things at them, you know, and yeah. something will something will connect. I mean, a lot of times it's like the mayor's kid skateboards or, you know, it's like those kinds of things. Um, and we and we'll lean as hard as we have to into that stuff. You know, it's like it's like, all right, like, let's get the mayor's kid over here to help design this thing or whatever <laughs> we have to do. Well, Jeff, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to share your history with us today and tell us about your experience with building skate parks mm -hmm. in Montana. It It's very inspiring. And um, we're going to take this and we're going to keep going with it. And I hope you share your story lots of places because a lot of people should be following your lead. You've done some oh, thanks, amazing Aaron. work. Thanks, Aaron. I, I can't wait to see uh, what you guys do out there. Um, I, I have friends out in that area. So, you know, Bobby Brown, probably. Do you know Bobby Brown, Bobby Draskos? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that there are some <laughs> folks in our coalition that definitely know some of the same folks that you know for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's probably, you know, have you ever been out to FDR and skated out at FDR? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. I mean, we've, we play, we played shows at the Spectrum um, a lot. And so I would usually go over and uh, like two thirds of the time I could, I could get runs in. Occasionally it would be a little sketchy. There might've been some people living there and throwing stuff at me a time or two, but, uh, like FDR. but that's an amazing, you know, one of the most amazing DIY spots ever. Um, so there's a new yeah. ramp. If you're back in Philadelphia, you might want to check it out. <laughs> it's gotten a lot of, um, feeds on Instagram and yeah, awesome. so it's definitely and, still growing. And usually when I play there, I hook up with Chuck trees, um, and he takes me like he's taken me to a couple indoor bowls um, over the years. And so, um, yeah, I mean, Philly, Philly's Philly's been a bit of, uh, you know, one of the best cities for our band. So we've spent a lot of time in Philly. So 
That's awesome. Well, I hope that we get a great park out here in Delaware County and you come visit it. I will. Definitely. <laughs> Sounds good. So All right. everybody listening out there, support Delco Skate Park Coalition. They're doing the good work. <laughs> Thanks, Setting Tom. the ground, the foundation for the East Coast of the United States. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> All right. All right. Hey, this is Jamie Godfrey here, um, here to find out if you might be interested in supporting our mission of the Delco Skate Park Coalition. If you are, simply go to www.gatedelco.org. Thanks.